Hi, hello, and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Every Day is a New Day show. My name is Kim O'Neill, and once again, I'm very excited for today's inspiring guest who is bringing more hope to today's show, and I am excited. We are going to be talking in a moment about... Wendy Santana, her journey from being medically retired to being a brain tumor advocate. And uh, you'll you'll get to hear more in a moment of, of what her journey has been like. And uh, oh my goodness, um, I just, I'm excited to hear about that. So, so get ready for that. But before we move on, let's take a moment as we've been doing to become fully present, take a deep breath and shake off yesterday. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. <sighs> Bringing your energy, your presence, your focus into the present moment so that you have greater clarity. You can have greater peace of mind. You can be tapped into your energetic power more then when anything from, you know, an hour ago, 50 years ago, I don't know, 50 years, that's a lot, uh, 20 years ago, you know, 10 days ago, whatever it is, whatever might be weighing on you, circling around in your, your memory, your brain, all of it, right? That There's stuff, there's stuff. And the older we get, stuff, you know, shows up and wants to keep playing out. And, so, and the way we get to reclaim our power, come back into the present moment, so we can act from this point in time is by shifting our focus, shaking it off and coming into the now. So I hope you took a moment to do that with me. Thank you for joining me in that. I'm going to go ahead and share a quote before we bring on Wendy. And today's quote comes to us from Stanley Courier. And we'll be sharing a little bit more about who he is in a moment. But I love this quote. He said, I've learned that living with hope is a lot more enjoyable than living with pessimism. I love that. Stanley, thank you so much for that quote. I've learned that living with hope is a lot more enjoyable than living with pessimism. What a great example right there about how we get the opportunity to choose. You know what? I think I'd actually feel better and choose hope than pessimism. I love it. Okay. Thank you for that quote, Stanley. I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit about today's guest with you. And then we're going to bring her up on screen and meet her and get to talk to her. Wendy Santana is a brain cancer survivor, author, blogger, and advocate for brain tumor awareness and survivors. In 2015, while recovering from a craniotomy and relearning how to walk, talk, and drive again, she published her first children's book, That Thing on My Mom's Brain. In 2017, Wendy experienced another medical setback and began to advocate for others experiencing brain injuries by launching her blog, Second Chance to Live. And in 2021, she began her advocacy campaign, A Face of Strength. Prior to Wendy's brain injury, she was a certified fundraising executive for nonprofit organizations. And in 2023, after being medically retired for eight years, Wendy became the American Brain Tumor Association's first ever community manager of development for the, West, for the Western region, where she gets to continue to build awareness, support, and partnerships for the ABTA and brain tumor awareness. And with that, I want to welcome Wendy to the show. Hi, Wendy. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. How how are you doing today? 
I'm good. I, I went through that shake it off exercise with you and I, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> good. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I first just want to say congratulations to living through a brain tumor, being medically retired. And then now here you are an advocate for the American Brain Tumor Association. Well, you're their community manager, but you're an advocate for everything that, that they're here to do. And I just that alone is so inspiring. And so I just, congratulations for how, like what you've been. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so real quickly, just for, you know, for everybody who's joining us today, um, I met Wendy very, very briefly, but I went, met, met Wendy many, many years ago. Um, she was the executive director for a youth mentoring organization that I was a youth mentor for. And, um, to hear what she's been dealing with since then, I mean, that was many years ago that we met and to hear, her journey since then. Uh, you know, I just, I want to remind everyone today who's going through a, a challenging journey where maybe you feel like this is never going to end or, oh my gosh, why did this happen to me? And, you know, maybe you feel like what, like life took a left turn and, and what's happening. I want to just say right now, remember, like everything is always a process. You are in process. You don't know, you know, what's coming ahead. I mean, Wendy, did, did you ever think that one day you'd be, you'd be, Right. Okay. A community manager talk, you know, for ABTA talking about brain tumor awareness back when you were having the craniotomy and dealing with all that. Absolutely not. No. I mean, I was so depressed at that point. I couldn't have imagined that eight years later I'd be doing this. It, I'm very grateful. And eight years, I mean, that, that's that's a good chunk of time, but it's also a relatively short amount of time. Like that's that's a huge transformation in eight years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I the recovery, um, all brain tumors are different uh, because every brain is different. A lot is based on uh, where the brain tumor is located and its size and, um, and so forth. So my brain tumor was located spread across, it was quite large by the time it was discovered and it was spread across my left frontal lobe and um, temporal lobe. So it affected my speech and movement. And um, so I was, I didn't feel well for quite a long time leading up to that. Uh, but uh, it was discovered after I had a grand mal seizure when I was lying in my son's bed reading with him and then everything made sense. <laughs> um, so yes, it's been a long journey because especially since I couldn't walk or speak um, for, it took years for me to get both back fully. Um, and I still have some challenges every day because um, of the brain injury and so forth. But I'm, I'm grateful that Mine was a slow growing cancer, not okay. versus a fast growing cancer like GBM. What were, for anybody out there who might benefit from hearing, what were some of your signs and symptoms um, before having that seizure? I mean, did you have any, any were you sus suspecting that anything that serious was going on? I mean, I went to the doctor a few, a week or two before the seizure and I, I was so stressed in my job and so forth. I didn't know what was from stress and what wasn't. Um, and she's like, I just have 15 minutes <laughs> because I wow. just 
generally felt terrible. And um, the, some of the symptoms now looking back were I was emotional and uh, which it has to do with the side of my brain that the tumor was located in. Okay. Um, I got emotional in a couple of important meetings. I, um, I would come out of meetings and my right, because it was in the, my left side of my brain. So my, the right side of my body was swollen, like around my knee and my ankle in particular. Wow. I never saw that as a symptom because I was, I was always pushing myself and I really wasn't listening to my body. So that's why I couldn't explain exactly what was going on to my doctor because so much was going on. And that's the biggest difference now is that I'm more in, integrated in my whole body versus being only in my head. And I was a workaholic, just pushing every deadline was felt like a matter of life and death. And of course, now I know what life and death is, <laughs> really is. Oh. Um, but I, my whole perspective has changed over the, the years while I've been recovering. And yeah. It, it, it's, it's interesting to hear you say, I just, I always like, I tend to see like patterns and stuff and I'm sure you've seen this too, right? For you to say, I was so in my head and yet there was literally a brain tumor, right? So <laughs> that's fascinating. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, interesting. Um, and then also the workaholic piece. I love that you, thank you for bringing that up. I was going to ask you about that. Um, and then the workaholic and the being in your body, because it's like when you are so in your head and, um, and I, you know, I've had my own workaholic experiences, tendencies, phases, all of that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's so easy then to miss those little subtle signs that maybe our body's communicating to us or to be able to interpret, you know, oh, the thing with your knee or, or whatever else. Right. So, and, Oh, sorry. Yeah. There, no, no, there were a few other um, signs that now looking back, I realized uh, were symptoms of the brain tumor, especially on the left, in the left frontal lobe. Um, headaches. Uh, I had an ongoing headache for a few weeks before my grandma's seizure. Wow. And, um, and, but I never took a day off of work. <laughs> and, um, I just pushed through and headaches and um, I was having what are called auras where I was dreaming about that. I, I, I remember dreaming that several times that I was just slowing down in my movement, like slowing, slowing, slowing down. But I really think that was an aura because it was located partially in my, uh, the area of my brain responsible for movement. And when I had my grandma's seizure, I completely froze. I could think, but I couldn't move. I was trying to will myself to move, but I couldn't. And, and a, an important part about that is I was in my son's bed. <laughs> we were reading together. And I remember thinking, please, God, don't let me die here. Not, I thought I was dying. And I was like, please, not here, not in his bed, not now, not like this. Because I was thinking how that would impact his life. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, I um and let's go ahead. I want to share with everyone a picture of the book you ended up writing. Um and I know that this was in response to that experience with him. It's going to cover our faces for a quick second, but I want to show everyone. Um this is Wendy's book that she that she wrote with 
with illustrations from her son. <laughs> and the book is titled That Thing on My Mom's Brain. And I love this. And what? Is, how do you pronounce your son's name? No way. No way. Okay. So um, tell, tell everyone about how this came about since you already started the story about having a seizure in front of him. So uh, because I, even though I had gone through a craniotomy and I couldn't walk or talk and I, or drive, I was still so used to producing at such a fast pace. I felt like I had to produce something. And also I was aware that I became aware during my journey that um, brain cancer, one of the least funded cancers. So I felt like, well, I can make an impact here. And um, so it ended up being, my son was only eight when I, when this happened. Now he's, he was about to turn nine. Now he's 17. It was a very therapeutic process for both of us because I couldn't remember some of the things that happened and neither could he because it was traumatic for him. So we both filled in the gaps for each other. And, um, and then I actually ended up um, pitching it to the Musella Foundation for Brain Tumor Research and Information. Even though I couldn't speak very well, I, called, I just called up Al Musella um, and, and he ended up publishing it for us. And what he controlled the, um, 100% of all the proceeds went to his foundation, which is how I wanted it. Um, and we set the price pretty high. It's just, it's really a booklet, but we sold it for $25 because the amount to produce it because it's self-published was so high. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to make sure that he got some money. But what happened in that process was I was able to use my fundraising skills and um, my husband worked was or works for the port of long beach so i worked behind the scenes through him and we got the their employees club of the employees club of the port of long beach um to run a campaign where um they fundraised and multiple copies of our book were placed in every long beach library wow. and um and so we ended up raising I think netting around seven thousand thousands of dollars, um, but I feel like that was more. The book can be read in like five minutes. <laughs> it's, but it was it was that the activity that went on behind the scenes that yeah really uh, was kind of uh, uplifting for me in that during that time. I um and and I know I read I think it was on your website somewhere that this book was also a way to help you and your son process what yes. happened with you having that seizure in front of him. Um, yeah. cause I can imagine that would be a, a very jarring experience for a young kid. Um, and of course you as the parent of him. <laughs> and so, uh, I also just love that you, th thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people can, you know, a lot of women who are were so used to go, go, going, doing, 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 um, I think it's your story is a great example of someone who's literally going through, you know, their own major health thing and you're <laughs> still creating something, doing something. Um, I just think a lot of people can relate to that. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you shared that. <laughs> so it's crazy okay. now that I look back and I think about it because I was going to cancer support meetings. I was I, I spent a month in the hospital and then a month in outpatient uh, physical 
therapy and occupational and speech therapy. So I had a lot to relearn to rebuild normal everyday things that we all take for granted, like taking a shower, going to the bathroom, <laughs> going to the bathroom on my own was a huge ordeal. Um, wow. Because one of my lowest moments, I was still in inpatient rehab at Long Beach Memorial and <clears throat> I fell. But here I was in the hospital, not able to speak, not understanding that I was diabetic and constantly needing to urinate. I was hitting and I didn't want anyone to see me in that state. So I was, I, I chose to be by myself in the hospital, even though there were people who wanted to be there for me. I, I sent my husband home. I didn't allow my friends to come because I was used to being oh. the, the strong one and taking care of other people. I was, so, and this was before the pandemic. So um, there was a <laughs> one day when the nurses, the nurses were getting pretty frustrated because I constantly had to urinate and it felt like it was taking a long time for, for them to come in. My thought process was, was, well, I'm here to learn how to do this anyhow. <laughs> so I tried to um, transfer, as they say, transfer myself from the wheelchair to the toilet and okay. I fell and hit my head. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so I got in trouble with the hospital. <laughs> they did an MRI to make sure I didn't re-damage anything. But oh I was, after that I was restrained every time I was in my bed or in a wheelchair. And that was like my lowest point. I didn't feel seen or heard because I couldn't speak and I, I just felt invisible. And that was partially my own doing because I didn't want anybody to visit me. I still had a few insistent visitors, but um, I, I didn't truly allow them to help me. So how long would you say your healing journey was I know everyone's going to have a different experience length of time, but looking back, I mean, knowing that now you're you're no longer even medically retired, how would you quantify your your healing journey? Well, in some ways, I'm still healing. Um, okay. The transition back to work has been very harder than I thought. Um, even though I, I'm working remotely for the most most part, um, because when you have a brain injury, you get brain fatigue, which is different than a regular fatigue. Um, so suddenly having all these meetings and stuff, I had to really build up to that. Um, the brain is a, is a muscle that, and it's remarkable because there's no plasticity and it can be rewired, but it takes time. So it took a few years uh, for, my, for me to really get my mobility back completely on my right side. I was walking pretty quickly. Um, I came home with a walker, but then I think I ditched it before I even went to the outpatient rehab, um, which I was in for a month. But I had a limp and like when I would get really tired, it would completely affect my right, right side for okay. years. And what I was doing was um, because it, when I was in physical therapy, they took us to the pool at Long Beach Memorial and I really loved it. So I continued to go to, to rebuild through water aerobics. And from there, I've been taking other classes and so forth. 
I just started um, typo actually, but most of my healing, I, I've really made progress during this last year, like okay. with my speech and everything. Um, I had very halted speech. I had, I, I couldn't speak at first. And then I had very halted speech for years. It's still kind of, I still kind of stutter when I get really tired or overwhelmed. Um, but I pushed myself through that by giving a few speeches, <laughs> um, like with the American Brain Tumor um, Association, I was a volunteer and I was on the BT5K committee, the Breakthrough for Brain Tumor 5K that they do and in 2019. And I gave the survivor speech that year. And even though my speech was halted, I feel like that played a role in my neural pathways reconnecting. Okay. Um, and then prior to that, I gave a speech for KPCC Unheard LA about brain tumor awareness and so forth. It was called Return to Zumba because before I was diagnosed, I was really doing Zumba on a regular basis. But the funny thing was in rehab in, in, the, in the hospital, my, my husband told the physical therapist that that was a goal for me. And at the time, it, I saw it on the board and it just pissed me off <laughs> oh. because I was like, I can't even walk. I don't, this is not a realistic goal at this moment. Um, and it was like, why are they listening to him? I'm the one that they should be listening to. But um, I did return to Zumba. It took, it just took several years. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I think I answered your question. Yeah, you, um, you did. And I think that's a really good, um, I love that you just added the whole Zumba experience because I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, whether you've had an illness or whatever, you know, when you have some sort of experience where it feels like you aren't at the same capacity you, you used to be, um, it seems easy to say what, like, that's, you know, that's never going to happen again. Or what do you mean? Like, you know, why are you saying that when this is my current reality? And you had that experience and you still worked towards it. I mean, it's, it's very much filled with hope and possibility showing yeah. that anything is possible. So I think that's really good. And I, I think I want to go back a little bit to, um, you know, you were this workaholic going at this really fast pace. And then here you had this experience that like pretty much forced you to completely slow down. Yeah. I had what no did, choice. <laughs> yeah. What did that teach you? Oh, it was a long process. Cause at first I was depressed and, I was resistant, but then there were gifts that came out of the experience. Um, I learned acceptance, forgiveness, <laughs> um, mindfulness, and gratitude. I I never really incorporated those all of those things into my thoughts when I was just going so fast on it every day, um, and when I was depressed, I was still doing um, the cancer, the cancer support community had a, a, a yoga for cancer patients um, program that I went to during the first few years. This was all again during the pre-pandemic. And I met one of my neighbors named Shoshana and she was doing meditation. And so I went to a meditation with her and afterwards, I, 
I told her I was depressed and she's like, say yes to 25 things. And I was thinking, I'm a people pleaser. I don't need to say yes to 25 more things. <laughs> I've, I need to say no. <laughs> but um, what she meant was say yes to like the birds chirping, things that you, what you hear, smell, taste, and feel. And I did it. I was very resistant. I had to literally count <laughs> the first few times. But once I got it, I got it. I was, it was, it's, and it, I was still dealing with that. Um, my lowest point of falling when I went to the bathroom. And okay. so I was saying, yes, I can walk to the toilet now on my own and I can sit down on my own. Yes, I can take a shower on my own. Those things, it really created a shift in my mindset um, because it showed me, it showed me, that I did have a lot to be grateful for and mindful about. That was when the I, beginning of when things started turning around for me. I, what I'm hearing is in the say yes to 25 things, what I'm hearing is um, be open to appreciation and recognizing the beauty that's all around, that kind of thing. Yes. What would you say is the value to embracing acceptance, forgiveness, mindfulness, meditation? What was the value that all those things, because the reason why I asked this is because I can see someone else who's like, go, 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 workaholic, perfectionist, whatever, you know, be like, what? Okay. Uh, uh, I don't need to like be focusing on forgiveness and mindfulness right now. Like I have 8 million things to get done. So what would you say is the value that bringing those things into your daily life um, brought you? Um, it brings you into the present moment. And so I, I needed, I really needed to learn that um, because I was always like in the past or in the future thinking about what I needed to do or what happened. And, and it would ruminate in my mind over and over and over again. So it brought me to the present moment, which was a brand new concept for me because I had lived 47 years up to that point and not, um, I, I think I had very few moments where I was in the present moment in my whole life. So it taught me that. And you can't, and at least for me, I can't be in the present moment and also be in the past or future. Right. That was the value. Um, it, it, cause I, I had no choice but to slow down because if I had a choice, I wouldn't have slowed down. I'm sure the universe right. sent me some messages several times and I just didn't get it. So then it was like, here, now you have brain cancer. You, you have no choice. Um, but it helped me to, by being present, I was able to move forward in a positive oh, way. That's wow. That's a really good. <laughs> I love that you. you you framed it that way by being present. You were able to move forward. Okay. So you, you now have this blog that you started called second chance to live. And within that you started a campaign titled a face of strength. Tell everyone about those two things. So it's called second chance to live because my husband reminded me often that I had a second chance to live because I didn't die. And I was, I had a chance to get my life right. I had no idea what I wanted to do with the website or the blog when I started it. I couldn't speak at that time. I was very well, at least. 
Um, so I had to, it forced me to learn different skills and I had an opportunity to redefine myself and rediscover who I was and, and so forth. So I knew nothing about building a website, <laughs> um, or what I wanted to do with it, but organically I ended up, I was reading a lot of books about survivors in particular cancer survivors. And then I was interviewing them for my blog. So that is something I still continue to do. In, and most recently, I interviewed Maria Kuban um, about her book, You Can't Do It Alone. Oh, wow. um, and it can be found on the, on the homepage of my blog. But so it started like that. And then one day, Jennifer Marie, someone I knew from the brain tumor community, but never met in person, but just we just had we were introduced um, by another blogger, actually. She wanted to share her story on my blog. And I didn't have a, a place for that. I referred her to a couple of other places where she could share her story, which were other nonprofit organizations, one of them being the ABTA, um, American Brain Tumor Association. But <laughs> being me being me, I couldn't let it go. <laughs> and she was so sweet. I was like, I need to... I need to come up with something. So at like two in the morning, <laughs> I it came to me. The whole campaign came to me. Um, and fortunately, I have um, a Samsung Note phone. So at two in the morning, I was I was writing on my phone all of these thoughts and notes that were coming to me because I was just being flooded with information. And um, and so it was called a face of strength. Um, that name came, just came to me. And I started with Jennifer Marie's image and quote, and my goal is and was to create 365 images. It's been going on for, I think, almost two years now. Um, and I have around over 200 images and each, and since Jennifer Marie ended up um, dying, her brain tumor started as an astrocytoma uh, it was brain cancer, but it progressed to a glioblastoma, which is which is terminal for most people. And okay. um, she passed away. And so now I I do every image in her memory, um, unless I'm doing a, an image in memory of someone who passed away, which I love doing those as well. I feel honored every time I'm asked to do one. And I feel like I'm really connecting with that person or with their family spiritually, but um, a lot of people, and I'm, then I'll do, I'll, I'll use the hashtag, never forget that person's name, but a lot of people don't have a digital footprint. So I'm helping them with, mm. to have a, a digital footprint to be remembered if they haven't like done stuff themselves. This is helping them and their families because yeah. every time I, I push something out in their, their loved one's memory or, or recognize someone who's, who is a survivor, um, they, they really appreciate it. And, um, it, it, part of that came from my lowest point when I didn't feel seen or heard. So I kind of did it. Like I pushed them out the images as if they're, I, I say from second chance to live and I recognize them, uh, do a statement of recognition for each person uh, when I publish the posts. So now 
I, I make it clear that it's, it's my blog, but um, I don't know. It's it's just something I love doing. And uh, gray, uh, May is go gray month. Go gray in May, they say. <laughs> brain tumor, brain cancer awareness month. So I'm, I'm currently um, in the midst of just publishing pages of um, people that I've already done images for. I think it's a beautiful gift that you're giving people. And so I just want to recap for everyone uh, with us today, whether uh, you're watching this as it comes out in a video format or any of the podcast platforms. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. So this is your second chance to live a face of strength. Sorry, your face of strength campaign is for anyone who is a brain tumor or cancer survivor or any of their lo loved ones from anyone who's passed away who'd like to create a digital footprint and recognize their loved one. They can simply go to your website and fill out a little form, answer some questions, and then you will create a post and share them, highlighting them and, and their quotes on social I also, media. I also um, create images for people who choose to be in this career because it's not an easy field. And I, I appreciate every single person who chooses to get into it. So yeah, this is not that they need that acknowledgement, but um, a face of strength is my way of just putting a face on the, on the disease because it's yeah. so unknown to most people. And it's my way of honoring the strength and wisdom that is within our community, the brain tumor community, because there is so much strength and wisdom from people who have survived. Yeah. A brain tumor because this is different from other cancers in that the brain is our cpu for our whole body so it affects everything based on where wow. the tumor is located and so forth well so i just put this on the screen so her website is secondchancetolive.com and that's with a two in two places so it's the number two n d c h a n c e the number two live.com secondchancetolive.com and if you'd like to if you'd like to share a little bit about your story or get featured on social media um share you know someone a loved one of yours you definitely go there and go to her a face of strength campaign to check that out and see what she's doing and check out her social media links so you can see how it shows up and so Wendy I want to go ahead and show everyone um just a couple of the images that you've created and quotes uh from you know, you mentioned Jennifer Marie, how she was the inspiration for this. And then we also have one from Stanley. So our faces are about to be covered up right now, but you'll still be able to hear us. Um, <laughs> and um, while you do that, I want to clarify that it's a brain tumor and cancer campaign. Okay. So it because there's so many other types of cancer that can okay. metastasize to the brain. So I don't leave out other cancers. Okay. So, um, so want to highlight here in loving memory of Jennifer Marie. And she said, going through what we survivors go through really helps us to see life differently. It makes us appreciate how precious and how short life truly is. We definitely are a family. We have a sense of connection because we really understand one another. I love that. And that definitely um, speaks to uh, how you were talking about not feeling seen and heard. And it sounds like she's reflecting part of that. And I want to share this one from Stanley as well that I really enjoyed. Um, we have Stanley Courier, who's a brain cancer survivor. And his quote is, 
I've learned that living with hope is a lot more enjoyable than living with pessimism. For me, my loved ones, and for so many others, I hope with all my being that scientific advances and breakthroughs continue in the realm of cancer treatments and cures. I'm hopeful for long-term survival. I just love what you're doing. Um, what's it like for you to now be an ambassador for, you know, the American Brain Tumor, um, American Brain Tumor Association, for their organization, and uh, being able to bring awareness and support and advocacy to all this? Um, so I was a volunteer. I started volunteering. Okay, let me back up. <laughs> After my craniotomy, I heard about the American Brain Tumor Association's BT5K, which is a, the, the signature event, um, which is done through different states around the country at different times throughout the year. Um, so I heard about the Los Angeles one, and it inspired me before I could walk to walk a 5K, which is just over three miles. At the time, I, I was barely walking three blocks. <laughs> so wow. I had to build up. And, it, and mm -hmm. by 2018, I did participate in my first BT5K and it was at USC and it was, and also uh, before I go to that, one of the ways I, my brain, I was affected after my brain surgery was um, lights and sounds. I couldn't tolerate loud, bright lights or loud, loud sounds. So it took yeah. until then. And after my KPCC um, unheard LA event, to where I felt I could tolerate the crowds and the sounds. So in 2018, I participated. And then by 2019, I joined the planning committee. And then I ended up um, volunteering in a multitude of different ways with the American Brain Tumor Association. Each uh, volunteer opportunity helped me regain my confidence and my sense of self um, and made me feel better about what I was going through. Like I was helping other survivors and so forth. It, it gave me a sense of purpose. Then I, I was on the volunteer leadership advisory committee, which is a higher level of volunteer at the ABTA. And um, I heard about the, this position opening up the community manager West of the Western region. And it was perfect timing because I was I had I was having more days where I felt good than when I felt bad, and I I felt I felt 99% ready. <laughs> um, I wasn't looking to go back to work, but I couldn't resist um, applying for this position because it felt like it it, it felt like <laughs> I. I didn't want to regret not going for it. And yeah. I also couldn't imagine anyone else doing it. Um, you're, you're a great fit for it. <laughs> so, um, so in this position, I'm, I'm working full time. Um, and the blog stuff I do on my own time, but since the ABTA is based in Chicago, they've had relationships with major hospitals in Los Angeles and California and the Western states, but they didn't really have someone to, to spend time building those relationships. So I'm the person who's now going into these hospitals, making sure that they're aware of all of the patient and family services that the ABTA offers. That's um, great. In addition to research grants for, 
for young researchers who um, have great ideas about how to get the cure for brain tumors and brain cancers, because in the last 20 years, only three new treatments have been discovered. Wow. And part of that is because it's so, this particular disease is so lo low funded. Um, even though President Biden's son passed away and, and Joe, John McCain passed away from a brain cancer, it still wow. remains one of the lowest funded diseases. So part of what I'm doing now is um, getting sponsorships and putting together a committee for the Los Angeles and San Francisco BT5Ks. And so I'm going to do a little plug. If anybody's interested, um, the Los Angeles BT5K will take place on Saturday, October 14th at Tongva Park in Santa Monica. And I'm building a host committee right now, which will start meeting in June, June through through October, okay. if anybody wants to get involved. And um, so that's part of what I do in addition to um, making sure that the hospitals and brain tumor centers are aware of everything that the ABTA does and connect. And if they want to learn more, I'll connect them to the either the mission department or the research department where they can do presentations and so forth. It's all part of the Meet Hope Head On campaign. Everything okay. counts toward it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, and, and so anybody who, yeah, who'd like to check out more about that on the ABTA's website, simply go to abta.org forward slash meet hope head on. And uh, you can find out more about that event. So now I know the ABTA also has their own, uh, their own thing that they're doing to help people share more of their story. I'm going to put a link up on the screen. Um, tell everyone a little bit more about how they can submit their story for a Meet Hope Head On. They can just go into that link and write about whatever they want about their story. It could be brain right. tumor survivors or brain cancer survivors or um, caregivers, um, anything like that, um, because the ABTA wants to reach 500 brain tumor, brain cancer survivors uh, wow. through this campaign, interacting with them and and sharing their stories. So it's an opportunity for people to have their whole story heard or read about and seen. That's so awesome. So so in addition to what we already shared a moment ago about Wendy's blog, her face of a face of strength campaign, you can also go here to the abta.org website. And that's the full link is abta.org forward slash meet hope head on submit your story. There's some hyphens in there. So actually go to the website at abta.org and their Meet Hope Head On campaign so that you can learn more about that and then have another opportunity to submit your story, be heard, and of course, be the bright light that you are in the world too. So I love that. Thank you for sharing about that too, Wendy. There's also a BT5K page, uh, bt5k.org okay. or uh, through abta.org where they can find the BT5Ks in the okay and re register for them. And um, yes, so this is a very, um, I'm, I'm excited about this campaign and, the, and that's part of why I decided to, to, to come to work for them full-time at this point right now, because it was just launched a few months ago. It's a five-year, $50 million campaign, but it's because <laughs> we are, in my opinion, we're, we're going, we're going to do this. We're, we're claiming this space at, and time as let's get 
we need to get this done. It, this, the things need to be shaken up. So we need to raise 50 million um, in order to triple the, our research investment, double the amount of patients served and double the federal fundraising or federal funding. And like I said, um, only three new treatments have been uh, discovered in the last 20 years. Um, brain cancer is also the 10th leading cause of cancer death in adults and the number one cause of cancer death in children. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, those are just a few of the statistics, but um, way more people are living with brain tumors and primary brain tumors and metastatic brain tumors than people realize. Um, okay. That's what that means is brain tumors that come from other cancers and metastasize to the brain. Got it. Okay. Wow. Well, um, you know, I'm sorry that you had that, the, the experience of, of having to deal with having the tumor and all of that, but I do just want to highlight like how interesting that here you are, this fundraising expert, and now you're getting to, you know, you, and then you have this personal experience and you get to combine the two to bring the awareness and the 50 million, which I have total faith that you'll be able to, to do, um, it's not on, all on me. It's okay. a whole. It's our whole organization. Okay. <laughs> That's well, our, our, I was going <laughs> to add. I know you have help in that too, but but that <laughs> seems like a, a great combination for you to be able to bring the skills with your own personal experience into this very meaningful, um, you know, campaign that is going to benefit so many other people as well. Yeah. So that's great. And one of the things is after my. After my grandma's seizure, I was I was in the hospital, and and then after my craniotomy, I I was depressed because I lost my sense of self. I as a workaholic, I identified myself as work, and I was suddenly an out of work workaholic. <laughs> Talk so, about loss of identity. <laughs> this is my second chance at. To, to rebuild my career, which I'd never, even up until it happened, thought would happen. Um, I, I'm just like, I'm so on my path now. I'm very grateful. And um, it's everything that I have this opportunity to, I feel like this is my life's purpose. And wow. everything else in my life was leading up to this. And to be able to make a difference and a meaningful difference is, is a wonderful thing. So I'm very grateful. What would you say to the person out there who, um, you know, is currently in the throes of, of dealing with a diagnosis or, or healing and having to relearn how to walk or you know, do certain daily activities again? What would you say to them about hope? Yeah, I'd say don't give up hope um, because the brain has has is remarkable at rebuilding the pathways and if you give up hope then just don't give up hope <laughs> um at my lowest point 
I, I gave up hope and I, I, I was so depressed. I really didn't want to live. Um, but now that I've seen so many other brain cancer, people lose their life to, 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 to the disease. I feel I'm, I'm actually embarrassed and I feel like I have to make my life count for them because none of them wanted to die. And had I given up hope, that was like in 2015, um, I, I wouldn't have lived to see all of this happen, which I had no idea was would happen. Like even when I started volunteering for the ABTA, I knew that they were based in Chicago. I had no idea that at some point they were going to have a, a position, a full-time right, position right. in Los Angeles. So you never know what tomorrow will bring. Every day is a new day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't give up hope. Um, and, and like Stanley said, um, I, optimism is a choice and it's, things are a lot better and go a lot smoother if, when you're able to make that choice. So not giving up hope is also a choice, although some people have hope and do everything that they're supposed to do, like have a good right. attitude and do every single treatment and still lose their battle. Right. But it's a matter of, of how they go out, how they leave this planet is it, that's within their control, like their thoughts and their um, ability to, to appreciate what they, to have hope and appreciate every single day and every single moment is, mm-hmm. is, um, is something because like, for instance, my, I had a brain tumor bestie and, oh. <laughs> um, in who I interviewed for my blog a few times and she had a glioblastoma and it got to a point where she knew that she was going to lose the battle, but she was focused on the time that she had left being able to communicate and visit and connect with so many loved ones. So if you know, we are blessed in in many instances that we know what's coming and we have the opportunity to, to express our love and make things right and with people that we need to and forgive and so forth um, versus somebody who is doesn't have that choice because they, they die suddenly. Right. In most cases, it's not a sudden death. I, I want to go back to the word. We're nearing the end of our conversation today, but um, but I love that you brought in you know meaning and purpose into what this experience is is brought to you and how that of course came through as a result of you not giving up hope i mean you had the experience where you did but then you regained hope and you know and and continued on and um and what i want to go back to is earlier when you said that acceptance was one of the things that you learned um yeah. i think 
whenever life throws us a curveball that we never saw coming, it's so easy to get hung up on um, and attached to, but life was supposed to look like this. Things were supposed to turn out like this. And, and, you know, I've learned and I've heard that other people say it too, how, you know, acceptance of what is, is what actually frees us from the barriers that are preventing us, like you said, from moving forward. And so, and so in that act of, okay, this is what life looks like right now. I choose to accept this. And it doesn't mean that's all there is. It means you now get to create a new from that point in time, rather than being blocked by life was supposed to be like this, but it's not. And therefore that doesn't leave you any room to, to move. So yeah. I just wanted to go back to that word acceptance. Um, that's really coming up as, as you were speaking. And in the cancer community, it's, accepting accepting our new normal because i'm i'm still not the person in some ways that i was um well in a lot of ways that i was before this doc diagnosis um some are positive and some are not so positive but um i've accepted that i will never be that person again a lot of things turned around for me when i accepted that you're and Thank you for adding that. You are a new transformed person. And I want to highlight, I um, I can totally get that there would be a sense of, um, you know, grief or sadness around something like that. And there's the hope aspect and acceptance brings in that, like, now you get to be this person who's living a meaningful life and whose life experience can come and be congruent with what you're doing. I mean, to me, to me, that's like the best experience ever is to be congruent with what you do out in the world, kind of, you know, having that fulfilling, uh, heart led experience on a daily basis with your work. I, to me, that's, that's the ultimate. So I just, I love that you're able to say yeah. that. Um, Wendy, we are nearing the very end of this conversation. Do you have any final words you'd like to say to anybody who's, you know, who's watching today and any final words you'd like to say to them? I think just slow down and listen to your body. I mean, I say just because if prior to this experience, if someone said that to me, I would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> but, and even though I was doing meaningful work before, this because I I made I was in nonprofit um, for 15 years before my diagnosis and each job was meaningful. Um, but I now that I'm a I'm I it's it's a whole different experience because I don't have anything to prove. I add value just by being myself. And I and I think that's an important thing. If possible, listen to your body. It's giving you messages all the time and slow down. And even if in the morning you think just for a few minutes what you're grateful for or um, or say yes to some things, <laughs> um, even the little things, because you never know when those things can be taken away from you. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, that's wonderful. You're, I hear, um, I'm hearing self-love. I'm also hearing just, again, appreciating the beauty of the present moment. Cause in many ways, like this is all we ever have is the present. Yes. So, 
So wonderful. Thank you well, for, Wendy. Thank you for summarizing that in an eloquent way for me. You did excellent. You did excellent. I, I'm I'm glad I asked that question. I, Wendy, thank you so much for being here. I actually, so actually I did have one more photo I wanted to share. So let me go ahead and share this to every, with everyone. Um, second chance to live from brain cancer to life rediscovered. Again, that's Wendy's blog. And I'm going to put the link up on screen again. Secondchancetolive.com. You can go there and uh, learn more about Wendy. And then of course, also, uh, you know, contact her if you'd like to contribute to her A Face of Strength campaign. Um, if you or someone you know has experienced a brain tumor or brain cancer. And uh, Wendy, just thank you again for being here today. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and drop you back down into lobby for a few moments while I close out the show. And then I'll see you there again really soon. Thank you for having me, Kim. Thank you so much and have a great day. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so what are you taking away from today's conversation? Have, have you experienced a brain tumor or brain cancer, or do you know someone who has? And if you have, I'd love for you to share in the comments, wherever you're viewing or listening to today's show, you know, what, what's your wisdom or insight, aha, that's shown up through your experience? What did that give you? There are so many gifts out there in the world that, um, you know, I can totally relate in terms of, you know, when Wendy was talking about, you know, just kind of doing everything from the head and stuff. I, I too, and I know many people have had the experience of having to learn how to drop back down into our body so it can be more fully present. And it adds so much more value to our life experience. And so as I say that, if you just think about your own experience and what does it mean to drop back down into your body and recognize the beauty in the little things, bringing more mindfulness into your daily experience, appreciating things, being grateful for things, feel free to share. would love to hear your insights and ahas. And again, absolutely. I, I love, love, love that Wendy is doing her face of strength campaign. So if you know someone who, um, you know, who you'd like to recognize and honor or who might want to, you know, apply themselves, definitely go again to her website, secondchancetolive.com. Everybody wants to feel seen and heard, right? What a beautiful gift. Share that with somebody. Remember that wherever you are today does not have to be where you are tomorrow. And that starts at the smallest level. That starts with a mindset. It starts with an energy shift. Okay, I'm going to bring my energy awareness from up here down into my heart, down into my abdomen, into your body, feeling more present and grounded. It starts with that so that it can have that greater ripple effect of moving from beyond medically retired to brain tumor advocate. I freaking love that. From medically retired to brain tumor advocate working a full-time job again. That's so inspiring. Ah, okay. Have an amazing day, everybody. Um, remember that you are a beautiful light in this world and I'll see you all again very, very soon.